0: Hello, I'm Ren Ferguson. I'm one of the ministers here at the Collinsville Troy Church of Christ, and today we are in Matthew chapter 4. Uh, the, this particular chapter has a few different uh, sections to it, several sections to it actually, and there is a lot of information, a lot of good things for us to take away. And so we're just going to jump right into it, Look, looking at the first particular paragraph, which is verses 1 through 11 which records the temptations of Christ. And yes, there's a lot of lessons to learn. There's a lot of things that that can be brought out uh, from this particular passage. And one of the things that I want to to remind us of is the fact that Jesus was pointed, was, was tempted in, in every, every point like we are. Just as the writer of Hebrews says there in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. We do not have a high priest that cannot sympathize with the feeling of our infirmities, but was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. Jesus was tempted in every single way that that you and I are tempted today. And I think sometimes whenever we read this particular passage and we look at verses 1-11, through we sometimes kind of think that this was the only time that Christ ever had to face temptation in his life, and after this it was over. And I don't believe that that is true. I think that we just have here a particular recording of temptations that he faced. And so within this particular paragraph, we, of course, have Jesus going out. He, as it says, had been fasting for 40 days. There are three temptations. The first one came whenever Satan tempted him to turn uh, the stones into bread. And, And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then in verse 5, the devil takes him to the pinnacle of the temple and tells him to to throw himself off of the temple because the angels will protect him and they won't let him be harmed. But Jesus, again, he says, It is written, you shall not uh, put the Lord your God to test. And then the final temptation that we have recorded here is the devil taking him to a high mountain. He shows him all of the kingdoms of the earth and he says, If you bow down and worship me, I will give you all of these kingdoms. And in verse 10, Jesus said, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. And as I mentioned, there's a lot of important things that we can bring out of this. First of all, as we've already talked about, Jesus was tempted like we are. But second, there is always a way to overcome temptation. As Paul records there in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, with the temptation, God will provide the way of escape. There is not ever going to be a temptation that comes our way that is going to be so strong that we cannot overcome it. There's a lot of ways that we can overcome, it. of course, that way of escape, and I think Christ gives us a, a great example of how to overcome temptation, and that is using the scriptures. Looking at passages, looking at at scriptures that deal with whatever temptation it is that we are facing, to give us the strength to overcome it, to overcome it, to give us that that courage to be able to face whatever it is to to look at what the scriptures look at what god teaches look at how he feels about those things and use that as motivation to overcome whatever temptations we are facing so there in verses 1 through 11 we have the temptations of christ then in beginning in verses 12 going down through verse 17 we see that jesus begins his ministry And much like John, as we noticed there in John chapter, or in chapter 3, rather, there in verse 17, Christ began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So now the, the period of time where John was preparing the people for the coming of Christ, that is now over. And Jesus has begun his ministry, and he has started teaching people, Repent, you need to change. Because my kingdom is about to come. I am about to establish the kingdom of heaven. And if you want to be a part of that kingdom, if you want to be a part of my kingdom, the kingdom of God, then you must repent. So there in verses 12 through 17, Jesus we see beginning his ministry. And then in verses 18 through 22, and this is something I want us to spend maybe a couple of minutes on, we see Jesus calling uh, Peter, Andrew, James, and John to be apostles, As it says there in verse 18, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. I think that this is, is so interesting because, first of all, he calls these, these people and, and he says there in verse 19 to uh, Peter and Andrew that he was going to make them fishers of men. They're no longer going to be fishing on the sea trying to make a living, but rather they were going to be fishers of men. And, and personally, I don't think that they really probably understood what he meant by that, especially at this point. But, of course, we know that what he meant is that they were going to begin teaching. They were going to begin preaching the gospel of Jesus. And, in fact, Peter, uh, Simon, the first one mentioned here in verse 18, is the one that is specifically mentioned there in Acts chapter 2. Now, we know, of course, that the 11 also were standing up and preaching that as well because that's what we see there recorded in Acts chapter 2. But Peter was there preaching, as we often call it, the first gospel sermon. And so he calls these men, he calls them to be fishers of men, and there's a, a word that is used in relation to both Peter and Andrew as well as John or James and John. And it's the word immediately. When Jesus came and called them, it says they immediately left what they were doing. Peter and Andrew, they, they left their, their nets, they left their boats whatever it was that they had and they began following Christ. James and John it says that they even left their father and began to follow after Christ. And I think that, that that's such a great example for us today. Christ says in Luke chapter 9 and in verse 62 that no man having his hand to the plow and looking backwards is fit for the kingdom of heaven. And the point that he's making there is the fact that if we want to be a part of this kingdom that Jesus began preaching there in verse 17 then there can be nothing that gets in, in our way and in our service to Him. There can be nothing that comes before Him. Now, of course, I'm not trying to say that, that everybody has to drop everything that they're doing. You have to quit your jobs and and have to begin doing ministry in, in some form full-time. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that there can't be anything that comes before the Lord. And I, again, think that that Peter and Andrew and, and James and John illustrate that so perfectly because they left everything immediately. They didn't question it, they didn't hesitate. They went with Jesus and they began to work and, and to teach and to preach the gospel. And I again think that that is such a great example for us today and, and something for us to strive to do, to, to never hesitate to do what God has commanded us to do, to always put him first. And to always do everything that we can in our service to him. So that's what we have there in verses 18 through 22. And then the last part of the verse there in verses or chapter verses 23 through 25 is where we see Jesus, of course, going through the synagogues, teaching the gospel, preaching about the kingdom, but also beginning to heal people. And it says in verse 24, "...his fame spread throughout all Syria." And they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea and beyond the Jordan. Christ began to perform these miracles. And, and the thing that is important for us to remember, and this is something that I'm sure we'll, we'll discuss throughout the book of Matthew, is the fact that these miracles, yes, he was healing people, and yes, that's good. He, of course, himself says that that's good, that's the right thing to do. They were to heal people uh, that were in need of that, the sick, as he talks about, those uh, that had seizures, the paralytics, all of them. He was healing all of them. But it wasn't just to make them better physically. The purpose of miracles, as we see in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 4, was to confirm the word. Jesus, as he's performing these miracles throughout his ministry, was not just, just to make people better. It was to prove to them that he was the Messiah. So now we've gone through these first four chapters. In in, verse, in chapter 1 and chapter 2, we have Matthew laying out the credentials from the Old Testament that Jesus is the Messiah. And now we've, we've gotten to the point where Jesus has begun his ministry. And he's begun to perform these miracles, and he's begun to teach and to preach to to likewise prove that he is the Messiah. And that's what we're going to continue looking at, what we're going to continue studying throughout the book of Matthew. But that's Matthew chapter 4, and I thank you for your time and for your attention here today. And tune back in on Monday, and we will be looking at Matthew chapter 5. Thank you so much.